are listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to talk about our outdoor space, but first let's talk about life lately. What's new with you, Sarah? This is on topic for our episode today. I am hoping to finish repairing patio chairs for our family today. We have never had patio furniture. It's one of those things that I feel like should just come into my life and I shouldn't have to spend my money on it. (laughs) So we just have never had it. And we sit on the edge of our deck or stand or sit on tiny little yellow plastic chairs we found on the side of the road that are for children. (laughs) Our neighbor did give us an outdoor round, large wooden table Mm. that they were getting rid of. Mm -hmm. And I thought, great, the start of our patio furniture is arriving. (laughs) And we've had it sitting out and no chairs to go with it. So it's not that useful. But I was on a walk the other day and found some chairs that said free on the side of the road. Love it. Went back home. Me, Neil, and E got them, brought them back. So these chairs are the type that have a metal frame and then have a mesh type fabric that you put on for the seat, Mm -hmm. but they were not assembled. So it had the roll of fabric next to them and Mm. then all of the pieces. Interesting. One was sort of assembled, but then as we used it, it started falling apart and we could tell (laughs) that it wasn't appropriately assembled. Mm -hmm. Did some YouTubing and found out what I needed to do to sew it, to make it stronger. I fixed one a couple of weeks ago and it is totally lovely. So now that I know what to do, planning on finishing up that project, and we will have four chairs and a table to enjoy in our backyard. Love it. What is new with you? I am just so thankful for how much I like our pediatrician here in Birmingham. Our pediatrician in Carborough was always fine, but not necessarily my favorite. I just did not feel like we really connected with that person. Mm -hmm. But we have seen our pediatrician here in Birmingham I guess three times now for three well child visits. And she remembers so much about our family every time or is making really good notes in our charts Mm -hmm. and refreshing herself on them before we get in there. So she's great with the kids, really remembers their names. And both of our kids have longer given names and then we call them a shorter name. And she always remembers those, which the pediatrician in Carborough did not. She would often full name our kids every time, and they don't really even know their full names that well, so (laughs) did not really facilitate connection there. But the thing I like most about this Birmingham pediatrician is how much she remembers about me. Mm. So we went in, and it was for Pepper's 15-month visit, and she said, so how is it going for you with the writing and having the kids just home? And I felt so seen by that. Mm -hmm. So it's really like she's sort of holistically treating our family in a way that I haven't felt before. And I am just so grateful for that. I love that so much. It is so hard to find a healthcare provider like that, that Mm -hmm. meets the needs of your family. And when you find one, it's such a gift. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about what we've been reading. What's your latest book, Sarah? I read The Water Dancer by Ta-Nehisi Coates, and I had read his nonfiction before, Mm -hmm. which made me interested when I saw he was coming out with a novel. The novel follows Hiram Walker, who is an enslaved person in Virginia, and through the novel, Hiram escapes to the north and joins the Underground Railroad. One thing I appreciated about this book was as I was reading, it was incredibly apparent to me that so many of the books I have read about slavery had been written by white people. 
Coates forces the reader to reckon with the horrors of slavery that we too often look away from or use to paint white people in a good light. So slavery was bad, but look at these good white people. Look how they fought against it. And it's about them. It's not about the experience of enslaved peoples. While I was reading it, I had trouble with elements of magical realism that were part of the story. Mm. That's a genre that is hard for me in general when Mm -hmm. almost everything is realistic and then it feels out of context when something magical or mysterious is part of the story. Yeah. It reminded me of the way I felt about Exit West because that was very similar. But we discussed this novel in book club and as we were talking, it made me realize that escaping from slavery in most cases would require magic because Mm. the reality is most people who try to escape would be captured or killed. And so for the storyline to progress, it wouldn't be realistic without that element of magic that is part of it, because Mm. it likely would have ended differently without this power that the main character has. Mm. What an interesting reflection. I went back and forth between the hard copy version and the audio Mm -hmm. and really loved both. The narrator was excellent and did a lovely job. I would absolutely recommend it. It made me think and is one that I'll be reflecting on for a while to come. Nice. What have you been reading? I read Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. Hibbert was a new romance author to me, but now I would say she is one of my favorites (laughs) since I have read this book. I love when that happens. I know. It's so good. I mean, especially when you read something and then realize that the author is pretty prolific and has a lot of other things, too. Mm -hmm. So this was a contemporary romance set in the UK and centered on Chloe, who's a graphic designer with a chronic illness, and Red, her building superintendent. So there's a lot of backstory there that I won't give away because that's a big part of the book. But this was delightful, very sexy, and the audiobook had amazing accents. Love it. And the reader, so fantastic. I mean, doing all the different dialects, too, Mm -hmm. was interesting listening to the sexy parts. I was mostly listening as I was doing my morning walks, and I'm mostly alone, but in neighborhoods, so I'm sort of like, ooh, this is the sexy part. Here I go, just acting normal as I walk along. (laughs) But that was really fun. I would 100% recommend this book. I'm on the list for the second one in this series and have some of her others in my Kindle ready to go. I cannot wait until my hold becomes available for this one. Now let's move on to our main segment for today, our outdoor living space. Let's talk about first thinking about living space in the outdoors when we're house shopping. What do you look for in a yard? It was different each time we were looking for a home. The first time we'd always been living in apartments. And so the idea of having a yard was really appealing And we Mm -hmm. liked the idea of having more space. Then we had more space and realized how much we didn't want to spend our time keeping up with it. Mm -hmm. So when we looked for our current home, we were looking for something much smaller. And I would say we would have preferred an even smaller yard than what we have now. But this is where we landed. What about for you? When we were house hunting, our main priority was to get something relatively flat. Mm. Birmingham is super hilly. So a lot of homes have giant retaining walls or elevated decks or patios that we would have had to maintain. Mm -hmm. It was going to be a lot of extra work in the outdoor space just to have it be sort of like a basic level of safe or a basic level of presentable. We were also not excited about having a lot of land maintained, so 
we were pretty happy with the smaller city lots that are within walking distance to things like parks and food and stuff like that. Yes. And then our final thing that was more of a bonus thing, but that we did end up getting, is that we wanted a mature tree or two Mm -hmm. because it's so much work to grow trees to big. (laughs) And it's so nice to have them when they already are. Yes. So we've hinted at this a little, but talk about what your yard is like now. It's on a long, skinny lot, so we are very close to our neighbors, but the yard is decently deep. The backyard's flat, but the front is sloped down toward the road. There is a chain link fence that goes around the backyard, and we just opened up one side of the fence that's next to a neighbor's house, so it's easier for the kids to go back and forth, Mm -hmm. and the kids cut through the fence with permission in the back of the house, and they have another secret pathway that goes to a neighbor's house through there. We also have our laundry lines that take up a lot of the backyard in terms of just stretching across it, and a fire pit that we created this spring. And then when we first moved in, we built a three-bin compost system that sits along one of the fences. Nice. What's your yard like? Our yard is a standard 50-foot by 150-foot city lot. There's a slope where the front is a little bit higher than the back, but it's pretty gradual. Our house is situated toward the front, so we have a smaller front yard that we did get a really big, beautiful oak tree. And then skinny side yards along the side of the house. And then a medium-ish backyard. We had along the back fenced earlier in the pandemic. And then have some temporary fencing on the side to keep the kids in the backyard. Mm -hmm. Initially, we had wanted to fence the whole thing. But then I felt uncomfortable with how little they still are that they might be in the front yard without me being able to see them. Mm, Yes. Or be in the backyard if I was in the front yard. And so we just decided to keep everything in the back. Now we have a garden in the back corner, which is the sunniest part, a climbing dome with a swing, and a baby slide. Soon there will be a chicken coop, and it is very sunny in the morning, and both parts of the yard are shady in the afternoon. In the front, we have the Hmm. big tree, and then in the back, our neighbors have a giant tree. Mm -hmm. If that tree ever is gone, our backyard will be really different, sun-wise and enjoyability-wise. Yes. So I am just sending all of the love and light to that tree. (laughs) Neil and I have thought a lot about the neighborhood trees. We have a really large oak tree in the back and makes the backyard very shady almost all day. But the front yard Mm -hmm. doesn't have large trees. And because our house faces west in the afternoon, it is very sunny. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things we did when we moved in was plant a tree there, hoping that we'll be there for a long time, we'll be able to enjoy it. And it has turned out to be one of the most enjoyable things during the pandemic is looking at the tree and appreciating how much it's grown just in the four years that we've been here. Uh I just love it. I love that tree. (laughs) What kind of tree did y'all plant? We got a tulip poplar. Oh, nice. And I spent a while looking up different trees, looking at how they look in the autumn, (laughs) Mm -hmm. reading about them. And this is where we landed, especially because there are so many oaks. There's another big oak Mm -hmm. tree between our house and our neighbors, big oak tree in our other neighbor's front yard, and they're all about the same age. Mm. So they are likely to all go around the same time, Mm -hmm. and they are in the latter half of their life. So we really want to make sure that our neighborhood still has good-sized trees when that happens and are doing our part. Right. So how do you feel about your outdoor space overall? It's fine. (laughs) There's so much that we could do but haven't, and a lot of that is just having young children. It hasn't been a priority, 
I feel like we've turned a corner where I can see having a lot more energy to take on some of those projects, but it's still not that high up on my list. I love that there's space for the kids to play. I feel like it's an enjoyable space for them, but it always looks not so great. Hmm. How do you feel about your space? It's great. I love it. I'm so very thankful for it. I may have said this before on the pod, but we considered living in an apartment when we moved. Yes. And not buying right away, sort of to more get to know the area and get to know neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. We ended up finding our house and it working out. We were so privileged and lucky that it did because thinking about being mostly staying at home with two young kids and no outdoor space. Mm-hmm. I mean, all of you listeners out there that are apartment dwellers and have coped with that in really innovative and brilliant ways, I see you and I'm so thankful that that was not us. <laughs> <laughs> we salute you. It is just really nice, especially with it being fenced now, to be able to just let the kids do their thing in the yard and I can just sit and read my book. Mm -hmm. especially in the afternoon when it's shady, it is awesome. The benefits of a fenced-in yard with young children cannot be overstated. Absolutely. Our rental house before we moved to this one was on a fairly busy intersection with a really small yard and no fence at all. Mm -hmm. So our kids could not be outside without us. And then moving to a quiet street with a fenced-in backyard where I could cook dinner and see them in the backyard playing. Amazing. Yeah. Totally. What do you wish was different about your outdoor space? I wish that it was better landscaped and had more native plants. I feel like there's a lot we could do with different perennial flowers, with bushes, shrubs, all kinds of things. And we mostly have weeds with some grass. (laughs) I also wish we had better climbing trees for the kids. This is something HP talks about on a regular basis, that we do not have great climbing trees. The oak in the backyard is not climbable in any way. It is so long before you ever get to a branch coming out. They do climb a small redbud tree and have broken some branches in the process, but it is what it is. I also wish we were better about keeping the yard neat. This is in line with how my house looks generally. I have aspirations (laughs) of things being picked up and everything being put away, and it feels so nice when it is, but I don't always exert the energy to get there. Mm -hmm. So most of the time, it is strewn with various Tupperware containers, nets for catching (laughs) bugs, critter cages, fort building materials, lots of sticks that get gathered from all over the neighborhood to build said forts that then get taken down. And now that the kids are outside all day, every day, it's just hard to keep up with it. We try and have them go outside and at least pick the stuff up and put it in the carport at the end of the day so it doesn't look so cluttered. But it is what it is. We're doing the best we can. (laughs) What do you wish was different about your yard? I wish we had less grass and more edible plants and perennials and more trees. We have plans mm-hmm. like y'all did, you know, first getting in your house to plant some trees, maybe one more small one in the front yard and then maybe one or two in the back. We are working on that bit by bit. Yeah. All right. Let's switch our focus a little and talk about gardening. What's your history with gardening, Sarah? In Austin, I did a lot of gardening. When I first moved there, I was volunteering with a couple organizations that did gardening throughout the city. And when we moved into our home, we had a decent-sized front yard garden. I had a lot of success there with okra and melons in particular. 
But since then, we've either been renting where it didn't feel worth it to invest in creating a garden and or had two young kids where it also didn't feel worth the time and energy. But now that we own again and the kids are older, it is much higher on my list of things that I would like to make happen. There are a few issues with that at this house. The backyard is so shady that we couldn't successfully have a garden there. But in the front yard, you have to fend off the deer that roam Mm. the city here. Yes, that's how it was in Carborough too. And then there are also rules about having a fence in your front yard. Huh. So thinking through how to make that happen. I think what we'll do is build raised beds along the driveway and then have some sort of pole and netting system that can go over them to protect Mm -hmm. them so that we'd still be following the city code. Hmm. I also think having it be right by the driveway as we come up would be really nice for seeing it on a regular basis and seeing what needs to happen or be harvested. Mm Mm-hmm. The kids are very excited about this idea, but it is on hold until spring 2021. What we do have right now in terms of gardening is a small strawberry patch. It originally started out with strawberries, tomatoes, and a couple of herbs. But it's been a few years, and since then the strawberries have taken over the entire patch because they come back every year. Yeah. And the kids love it. Tell us more about your gardening setup. Before now, we have only ever done container gardening, but... As I've discussed before, we have a medium-large-ish raised bed and are planning to attempt to grow food year-round. So what's in there right now is okra, pole beans, purple whole peas, pumpkins, zucchini, sunflowers, zinnias, marigolds. We got started so late with that that things are really slowing down because it's so hot. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure what our actual harvest will be <laughs> this year, <laughs> but we've been doing a lot of learning, <laughs> so so that's been really good. That's great, too. Yeah. All right. Favorite and least favorite things about gardening? My favorite thing about gardening is the harvesting and also watching the first sprouts come up. It is so satisfying watching plants grow. Mm-hmm. I feel that about my house plants. I feel that about the tree. I feel it about gardening. Yes. All of the things. There isn't too much I really dislike about it, though that might be because I haven't actually gardened in about seven years, so I've probably just (laughs) forgotten all the parts that I really hate. But right now, it seems great. I love it. (laughs) My favorite thing about it is how much Plum loves the garden, and I also love the magic of growing things. We grew Mm -hmm. all of our plants from seed this year, which I had always bought starts before when we'd done container gardens, and Things growing from seed is very magical. Yes. And so sharing that with Plum, I mean, that four-year-old imagination magic vibe is so strong with her right now Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we are just soaking it in via the garden. My least favorite thing about gardening is how hot it is in full sun. Mm -hmm. We're lucky we have full sun so the plants can get it because they need it to grow. But wow, when... We are in there doing the work, you know, weeding or planting or thinning or whatever. It is blazing hot and I am just dripping in sweat in minutes and I don't love that. All right, big picture. Let's talk about plans and dreams for our outdoor spaces. In the short term, garden beds next spring, more native plants sometime in 2021, maybe this fall. We'll see how inspired I am. (laughs) Planting a few more trees. And finally having patio furniture, which is very much in the short term, hopefully this weekend. (laughs) I would also love to have some sort of kid 
fun attraction, like one of those big saucer type swings. Oh, there's so one cool, further yeah. down in the neighborhood, and the kids love it. But we have considered ways to implement that. It seems very challenging. Our children regularly let us know how not fun our yard is compared to the neighbors' yards that have things <laughs> like a really big playhouse, sandbox, pools, inflatable pools, but still, yeah, we don't even have that trampolines, swings, etc. And I was like, but look, we let you dig giant holes in the yard. <laughs> isn't that fun? And also, isn't it nice that you have neighbors that let you use their <laughs> yeah. fun stuff so we don't have to have it? Long term, actually implementing the things I said above, I think I'm being overly <laughs> optimistic to say that all of that will happen within the next year. So anything that doesn't happen in the next year is on my long term list (laughs) our short term are the chicken coop which has to happen so the chickens which are coming next week will have a place to live once they're big enough to no longer live in our bathroom yes it is good to have that kind of deadline for us (laughs) you and i both thrive on deadlines like that (laughs) yes and more edible planting definitely more wintry type things for the garden But then also we want to put in a couple rows of strawberries. We have a back slope down to our alley. And that seemed like a really good place to sort of let go a little crazy with strawberries that Mm -hmm. that they actually do okay on gentle slopes in terms of drainage. And that then it can just sort of go wild back there and we won't have to worry about containing it anywhere else. So I think those things are definitely happening this fall. I've also thought about raspberries and getting raspberry canes to see if we can go along our house, but I need to look into that more in terms of what kind of raspberries actually do well in the level of heat and humidity that we have here. Mm -hmm. I think there are some cultivars that will, but that's just more research, so who knows if it will actually happen. Longer term, we would love to do some stonework. Andrew built the low stone wall that's around our garden bed right now. And Mm -hmm. he would love to do a stone patio with ground cover in between the stones and then build a stone fire pit. Mm. And then eventually also more trees. Lots of things. Who knows if they'll happen or not. But they sound lovely. They do. It's really fun to plan them. Let's end with another most favorite, least favorite regarding yard work. For me, it is mowing, specifically mowing with our push mower, because I actually don't mind mowing. I like the way that it looks when you're done. It's one Mm -hmm. of those tasks where you can see what you have accomplished and feels very satisfying. Not the case with our push mower. You mow the whole yard and you look back and you think, it does not look like I have mowed this yard. (laughs) Very (laughs) annoying. We have had many discussions about this. Neil claims to have fixed the push mower so that I would not feel like that, but then it has stopped raining and been really dry, so we've had no need at all to mow the yard, so I haven't Mm -hmm. tried it out. So maybe it will be better. I know that it doesn't look as tidy with the push mower, even when it's working at its best, but it is nice that it's not loud and smelly and also fun for the kids to use. HP loves to push it around the yard, which is great. And doesn't do anything, it sounds like, so that's good, too. (laughs) Yeah. Favorite yard work? I don't know. There's not a lot that I hate, but there's very little that I'm excited about doing. 
But once I'm doing it, I really enjoy it. Mm. Early on, we cleared out this garden bed across the front of the house and planted native plants. And it was one of those things that I wanted to do it, but getting motivated. And once I started, it's just satisfying and fun and you get lost in the task. But I have a lot of trouble following through. That was also evidenced by another recent project where we have these vines that grow in front of our front porch, and I decided we're going to clear that out and mulch it and plant native plants. So I started clearing it out, which was a lot of hard work, stopped, a bunch of weeds grew in that spot. So now we still have the vines, and we also have a lot of weeds in one (laughs) corner of that area. So it's much worse than it was originally. And that is pretty typical of my general yard work. (laughs) abilities and motivations how about for you i don't love mowing it's at least in part because we had an electric mower but we plugged it in with an extension cord Mm. and that was just such a pain so we got rid of that mower when we moved from the rental house that we had to mow Mm -hmm. into a rental that had a yard company that came which was a real gift yes Now we're responsible for our house. Andrew has been mowing and we got an electric mower, but that has a battery, Mm -hmm. which is much nicer. So it's still much quieter and not stinky. Mm -hmm. And so I think I might not hate mowing as much as I did. But in any case, he's doing it, which I'm thankful for. I like weeding and I like raking because I like to see the immediate results of whatever I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I also like listening to audiobooks and having adult time while I'm doing some sort of physical work like that. Mm -hmm. I think anything that is going to have a big impact is my favorite. And anything that the annoyance or frustration of doing it outweighs the impact is my least favorite. (laughs) But that could really apply to anything in life. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's the end of our outdoor space talk today. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. What are your outdoor spaces like? If you are without an outdoor space, how are you coping? Tell us all the things. We'll finish up by talking about what we've been eating. I want to share a new recipe from Pinch of Yum. This is her sheet pan barbecue tofu. You basically get extra firm tofu and press the liquid out and then coat it with a seasoning mix that also has cornstarch in it, and then bake it in the oven so it gets kind of crispy. Mm -hmm. We put it in bowls with sort of a green goddess dressing and corn and quinoa, maybe some green beans, some other green thing went in there too, and sort of just made like summer bowls. It was really delicious. Plum called it cheese. She said, I would like some more of that cheese, please, that oven cheese, Mm. (laughs) which was funny. Mm Mm-hmm. Guess we haven't had much tofu in her life for her to really understand what it's a different <laughs> what thing. tofu is. Yeah. But it's just really flavorful. It reheated pretty well. And it was nice to have something that was a little bit different. Sounds really delicious. My kids love tofu. So I will be trying this to see if they like this variety. Love it. What have you been eating, Sarah? I made creamy curried lentils from Budget Bites. It was very easy. Brown lentils cooked with, I think, ginger and garlic and curry powder. Mm. And then once they got cooked down and were the right consistency, you added a can of coconut milk. Yeah. I think the original recipe also called for adding fresh spinach, but we didn't have that. We served it with feta cheese, chopped up red peppers, and fresh tomatoes. Mm. Is it a little bit soupy consistency once the lentils cook down? 
It is. So it was nice to have that on top of rice to give it a little more substance. Mm -hmm. Very easy, very cheap, and was a hit. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find more details about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. And if you want to join the conversation, you can leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or you can email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. I don't know if you can hear the running. (laughs) I can. Agreed. But that's that's it. That was a terrible end to this episode. I wonder if I could say something else. Oh, yep. Next page. Okay. (laughs) Here we are.